Uh, it's good to be with you uh, this week since I couldn't be with you last week. Thanks to all of you who've asked how I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Um, yeah, yeah. I, food poisoning is such a joy. I was worshiping the porcelain God instead of the real true God last weekend. But uh, I hear my wife did a pretty decent job last week. So, yeah. Yeah, and I heard it on Saturday too. Like people were texting me and giving me phone calls and like, okay, that was like a Holy Spirit moment. Your wife was there. And I was like, you know, God, if you didn't want me to speak, you could have just told me. <laughs> Let's just have a little communication here next time instead of the food poisoning. That would be great. Uh, but I am. I'm so, it was so cool to watch Susie just receive that, like literally 20 minutes, you guys, to prepare. And, uh, but just the peace that God gave her, and uh, super, super cool. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is it, man. This is our final week in this series that we've been calling The Good Life. And uh, so we're at the very end of John's letter. And uh, I've titled this message, The Good Life is Confident. The Good Life is Confident. If you ever stop and think about just, if you're feeling confident, what does that feel like? It's a good feeling to actually feel confident. Sometimes, right, you've actually, if you remember like while you're in school or those of you who are in school, you walk into a test. You remember feeling confident when you walked in to take a test? Not very often, I know. But that's the truth too, right? Most of the time you aren't feeling really confident, but when you did, it was fantastic. Or I remember being in a musical in college and we had rehearsed so often that when opening night came, you were, you were nervous, but at the same time, totally confident because you, you know this. And now that the day today, apparently Monday is the third biggest snowstorm of the year is still coming, but the nice warm day today, right? Makes me think of golf, right, Corey? So yes, so, so I'm thinking of golf and I'm like, how often am I confident as I'm standing in front of the ball? Never. Like, I literally have no idea where that thing is going, except for one year when a guy in our church who was a golf pro actually gave me lessons, and he fixed my swing, and I'll never forget, for one year, that year, I could go out to a golf course. I love, I love going to the driving range. The guy was, that goes along trying to pick up all the balls, right? He's going across, and I'm like, I'm going to hit him. And I, I literally would get close every time. I just, I felt confident. You guys know what that's like to feel confident. And I just, man, I have loved preparing this message this week. It has increased my confidence in God. And I'm hoping it will increase yours too. This is amazing stuff that John's gonna share with us. And so the good life would be a confident life, wouldn't it? Can you imagine if you go through life and you didn't have to worry and you weren't freaking out and you weren't filled with anxiety? But instead you had, there's always a peace when you're confident. There's an ability to go out and make a difference. So in this passage, John wants his, his readers and us tonight to know that there are five things that we're gonna look at that he says, I want you to know this. I want you to know these things. Now it's interesting again, in the Greek language, there's so many cool nuances. There's lots of different words for the word know. This one is ido in the Greek. And the word actually means to see. That's what it means, okay? So 
Um, Mark Demiglio, do you know that Mike Applegarth is in, this, uh, in the service today? Yeah. Why, why do you know that? I saw him. You did. Right <laughs> okay. Like, and, and, and like, how confident are you that Mike's here? 100%. Okay. You're a hundred percent confident that Mike's here because you can see something. This was fascinating to me a couple years ago when I was uh, reading this passage and meditating on it and looking it up to know it. So when you, when, when John says, I want you to know this today. Okay. So everything we're going to go over, he's saying to you, I want you, you have the possibility of having a confidence in this as confident as you know that you see somebody. So the person sitting next to you, you know, they're there. God wants you to know this isn't just head knowledge. It's not just, this isn't even experiential knowledge. This is a more concrete knowing of a fact. So I have this picture. <clears throat> this was, uh, so when I, this is a flowering tree that's in our backyard. And I was outside in the morning when I was having, that's why I love to have my time in the morning with God outside. Once soon, usually I'm doing it by now. Um, and when I read this, I looked up and that was the first thing I saw was this flowering tree. And so I sat there and I just looked at it and I go, okay, so all these things that God's going to tell me that I can know to be true, I apparently can know them as true as I know that that tree's sitting there. And what was crazy, this was in May of 2021. So all through May, June, July, August, September, every morning when I got up to spend my time with God, no matter what I was reading, I would look up and I'd see that, I'd see that tree. And I go, can I know that what God is telling me is true about him is as true, as confident as I know that that's there right there, that that tree is as well. And I just want to tell you guys, here's the deal. God's desire for you, God's desire for you is to walk on this planet with this type of confidence in him. It's the goal. You guys know Hebrews chapter 11, verse one actually defines faith for us. This is what faith is. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That's, what, that's the definition of faith, that you have a confidence and an assurance in what you can't see. And that's what God wants us to hear. But, here, but we all know this. You guys, our faith grows. It's, it's constantly growing. So none of us right now are 100% confident, right? I mean, there's, there's things. There's, there's certain things about God you're maybe more confident in. There's other things you're not so confident in. Some of you right now are lacking in trust right now. You're feeling anxious. You're worried. And, and then there's other areas where you're feeling strong. So here's what I want you to know. I'm going to state this as clearly as John does. And he's saying, I want you to know these things. I want you to idle them. I want you to be that confident. But we also understand wherever we're at right now, our faith is always going to be growing. In other words, our confidence is always going to be growing. All right? So here are five things that God wants you to know. Now, by, by the way, we are not talking about self-confidence. This is not self-confidence. It's confidence in someone else. This, this week was my birthday. And so we hang, hung out with my kids, came over, and, and, and 
and Susie, and, and we were getting together. And we always kind of go around and we share what we appreciate about each other on our birthdays. And Mariah actually shared with me that one of the things she's appreciated, she goes, even dad, when I was young, she goes, just your presence in the room made me feel safe. Do you guys remember that with your dad? It's like, you could be totally anxious and nervous, but I could walk in the room and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm okay because my dad's there. And I'm going to create a safe place and I'm going to protect my daughter. You guys, as a joy of a father, one of the great, that was one of the greatest things for me to hear. That my kids could feel secure when they were with me. Hey, can I just tell you, God is your father. And he wants you to feel that safe. And he wants you to feel this secure about your life. All right? Now, this passage has blown me away this week with how all of my confidence is actually in Jesus, not myself. And my faith can be as big as a mustard seed, right? It's not the size of my faith. It's the size of the one I'm putting my faith in that matters. All right? So here we go. Let's hit these five things that God wants you to know and be confident in. Here's the first one. Absolute confidence that we have eternal life. He wants you to know and be absolutely sure that you have eternal life. I write these things to you, he starts off in this section. So he goes, I wrote this whole letter, and here's why. That you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that? Do you know tonight that you have eternal life? And are you confident in that? Do you have an assurance? Do you know it as clearly as you know that someone else is in this room? All right, then what do you know? If you know you have eternal life, what do you know? Well, eternal life is Christ. Remember, that was the first thing he taught us. Eternal life is not something ethereal out there. It's actually a person. It's Jesus. Jesus is the creator of life. And when you receive Christ, you receive eternal life. And then Jesus says, and I came so that you would have life to the full. He goes, I want you to experience life here right now. So what do you know? He goes, I want you to know you have eternal life. Well, here's a cool thing about eternal life. It has no beginning and it has no end. Okay, that's eternal. So number one, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life and you have eternal life, he totally takes care of your past. Is that not good news? (laughs) Okay, some of you are still living with regrets about your past. And Jesus says, when you invite me in, I forgive it completely. Your past is covered. And you know that because that's part of eternal life is the forgiveness and the redemption of the life you've lived. Number two, if it's eternal, that means it's right now. It's present. What do you know? You know that right now, every moment, every day, every situation with every person, he's with you. He's with you and everything that Jesus is, he's offering you all of his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness and his goodness and his self-control, all of his wisdom, all of his strength, every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. When? Two of you got it, good. Now, that's eternal life. Do you know that? This is what he wants you to know. I wrote this so you would know and be that confident that Jesus is taking care of your past. He's with you right now. And eternal life means your future is set. 
it is taken care of. There is no fear of death. When you have eternal life, you know that this is temporary. Everything you're going through is temporary and you are made for eternity to be with him forever. And when Christ rose from the dead, which we'll celebrate this weekend, when he ascended into the heavens, it let us know there's something beyond this, you guys. Do you know tonight that you have eternal life? And how do you know this? It's because God said, I love you so much. I love the world so much that I gave my one and only son that if anyone, that means any of you in this room, if any of you would believe in him, you will have eternal life. That's how you know. And Jesus says, man, I want you to know that. I don't want to walk you, I don't want you walking through this life, regretting your past and feeling like you'll never get over it. I don't want you going through one thing today without my presence strengthening you and giving you everything you need. And I don't want you worrying about one thing in the future. I'm with you. And now you have eternal life. All right, that's the first thing. I want you to know that you have eternal life. Good news. This is great news. Be confident in that. All right, here's the second thing he says you can have absolute confidence in. And this is probably the the toughest one, I would say. All right? He wants you to have absolute confidence that our prayers are answered. That our prayers are answered. 1 John 5 says this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. You can be that confident. So what he's saying is, the first thing he says is, when we pray, he goes, we can have confidence that God hears us. Why in the world can we have confidence that God hears us? Do you you know that? Do you know that every time you say a prayer to God, he hears you? (laughs) Yes. And I would say, because once you've received Christ, do you think he listens to Jesus? (laughs) And you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. And so you can absolutely know that your prayers are being heard. Okay, but what does he say? We're supposed to pray in his will. If you ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears you, okay? Now, Jesus also put it this way. He goes, if you ask anything in my name, which again is if you're asking something in the name of Jesus, what you're saying is I'm praying in the same essence of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, in the character of Jesus. I'm in line with Jesus. He's really saying the exact same thing, all right? So how can we have confidence that when we pray that he hears us and if we ask anything in accordance with his will? Well, again, if we have eternal life, then we have shared life with Christ. I think this is partly, you guys, what grow, this is where our confidence grows that we start to ask the things that God wants. Why? Because his spirit is now living inside of us. He says, I'm I'm giving you the mind of Christ. You're starting to think the same thoughts that Jesus thinks. You're starting to desire the same things that Jesus desires. And here's the other thing. You now know what his will is. You open up the scripture and there are so many things that God just makes point blank clear. This is my will for you. And so when we ask those things and we have a heart to want those things to be done, God is saying, well, if it's my will, do you think I want it done? He goes, I want it done. And so when you come to me and ask me to do what I want to do, 
I'm probably going to do it. All right? You can have that confidence. Now, this is where it gets a little trickier. What about the things we don't know for sure are his will? There's a lot of those questions out there. And we're going to God. And this is like, well, is this, my, is this what I want? Is this what God wants? And now here's the deal. What do we do during those things? I believe that we can do the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We can pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. God, in this situation, I am not sure what your will is, but I want your will to be done. And I'm asking you to do it. And then we trust in his character to accomplish his purposes in accordance with his will. I, I, this, you know, and again, if you guys, we, we, we could have, this would be a great conversation to have because this, this is a very sticky conversation. Let me ask you, how many of you guys feel like you've asked God for something in his will and he didn't answer it? Really? Only that many? Interesting. Okay. You guys are amazing prayers. I need to get to know you better. But here's the deal. What do we do with this? I think about, I think this is when we say, if it is your will, if it is your will. There was a guy who had leprosy and he came to Jesus and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Okay, what did this guy do? First of all, he sought out Jesus in the first place, which showed that he believed that Jesus could do something about it. So he already showing his faith. And then he says, you can make me clean. What's he saying? Is that faith? That's absolute faith. You can make me clean. But then he leaves the decision to Jesus. If you're willing, that's his faith. God, I trust that I'm coming to you. I trust that you can do it. And I trust you to do the right thing. I've shared this here before, but I'm just going to share it again. When I was praying for my mom when she had cancer, again, do I know that God loves my mom? Yes, I, had, I, I knew he did. Did I believe that God could heal my mom? Did he have the power to heal my mom? Yes, I totally believe that. So <laughs> I'm like, I put those two things together. I'm like, well, you love her and you can heal her and just do it, right? And then... I really felt like the Holy Spirit came and helped me in that moment. And I just felt like, but all of a sudden I started thinking, but you know what? I have no idea what the rest of my mom's life will be like if she gets healed and lives longer. I have no idea. I have no idea what the ramifications and how life will go on if she dies in this next year. And then I thought, when I get to heaven and I see my mom, you know what we're going to want? The only thing we're going to want is that the temporary life we lived down here had the greatest impact for eternity's sake. Does that make sense? And I sat there and all of a sudden I'm like, and you know what? There's only one person who knows that. I have no clue. And so you know what I did? I said, God, I love my mom. You love my mom. I believe you can heal her. I want you to heal her. That is my request to you but I have no idea what's actually best. And so I want your kingdom to come 
and I want your will to be done. I trust you. And then I think we can be at rest. Now, what about prayer for others? Now it gets really sticky. This one's hard. You know what? I was talking with Susie about this and she really helped me. She goes, I can know this. If I ask God to save me, will he save me? Will he? Yes. How do I know that? Because it's his will. It's God's will that no one should perish. So if anybody turns to God and says, God, I want you, would you please save me? He's never going to go, no, not you. He's just not going to do that. He rejoices and throws a party. So you can know if any of you in here today ever turn to God and in Christ and say, I want you in my life. God will always do that for you. That's his will. So when I pray for someone else to be saved, you pray for somebody else for their life to be better, for God to move in their life, to bring healing in their life, to help save them. And, and their life doesn't get better. And, 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 they, and they stay away. Like, what do you do with that? Because you're like, man, I've been praying for this person. Why isn't God helping them? Now, here's the issue. I believe God's will is for everyone. I, Jesus Christ died for all. There's not a person on this planet he doesn't want to be reconciled to. That's God's will. There's this other issue that people have a will. Every person has a will. And every person has the choice to respond or not respond to God's invitation. So you know what we do? I think we just keep praying because I know it's his will. And so I'm going to keep asking in the name of Jesus. All right. Okay. Now I got so much other good stuff. We just got to keep going. All right. So here we go. But John's flow of consciousness though, when he's talking about that, you can have confidence. You can know he answers your, your prayers. He goes into verse 16 and he says this, this is, this is, this is fun. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. All right, y'all got that one? Sweet. Well, let's move on then. Let's go on to the next one. All right, what is the sin... There's a sin that leads to death. What is it? Well, the the Bible tells us there's only one unforgivable sin. You know what it is? It's the rejection of forgiveness of sin. That's the only unforgivable sin. Jesus is saying, I'll forgive you of everything. If you're saying, I don't need your forgiveness and I don't want your forgiveness and I'm not gonna believe that you forgive me. Well, God goes, well, then I can't forgive you and now you're still stuck in your sin. And if you're stuck in your sin, then you're separated from me and that's gonna lead to eternal death. Does that make sense? That's the sin that leads to death. It's unbelief in Jesus as the Savior who's the one who forgives all our sin. So, but then he says, there are those whose sin does not lead to death. Okay? Well, whose sin doesn't lead to death? Who are he said? He goes, if you see a brother or sister commit a sin. Those whose sins do not lead to death are people who have put their faith in Christ and have received forgiveness for all their sin. (laughs) He has already wiped it away. He's already taken care of it. So can Christians sin? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, we can still be pretty good at it sometimes. Can can Christians sin? Yes. And we're going to get into more about that in just a second here. 
And then he says, all wrongdoing is sin. But what's the sin that does not lead to death? I love John Piper. He put it this way. Any sin that we are still by grace able to authentically, humbly confess and repent from is a sin that doesn't lead to death. So if you see a follower of Christ who's in a sin, what do you do? He goes, pray for him. Pray for him. Because this isn't the life they have. And then he says, what can you know? That you're asking something that it's in accordance with God's will and he will give them life. All right? So have confidence. Know you have eternal life. Know he hears your prayers and God wants to answer those. All right, now let's go to the third one. We can have absolute confidence that we have victory over sin. This is the one that just blew me away. This is so good. First John 5, 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that anyone born of God will not continue to sin. Seriously? Wow, that's cool. Because it sure seems like I'm able to continue to sin. Anybody else? All right. So what in the world is he saying here? As clearly, think about this, you guys. We can know as clearly and confidently as the person sitting next to you is there. You can know that one born of God will not continue to sin. Why? Because what will a real Christian do with sin? They will hate it. You will, you'll enjoy it in the moment. That's why you do it. But eventually, you're going to hate it. It's going to bug you. And then you're going to fight it. And then you're going to struggle against it. And then eventually, you're going to remember that he forgives you, so you confess it. And then when you confess your sin to God, you believe that he forgives it and that he cleanses you. And so you turn back to God and you get back in alignment with him. He goes, that's what a child of God will do. How can we know that? How can I know that I'm going to do that? He goes, because you're born of God. <laughs> do you guys know, listen to that. Is he saying, because you're such a great person. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> no. No, but seriously, this is huge. You don't put your confidence not to continue in sin in your ability to do that. The only, but you put your confidence in is that when you received Christ, his spirit came inside of you. And that's why earlier in chapter three, he said, no one continues to sin because God's seed remains in them. And that word for seed is sperm. It's literally the DNA of God now is in you. Now, can you continue to sin for a while? Yep, you can. But I'm telling you, if what the scripture is saying is, you're going to come home, man. You're going to come home. How can we know that? Even better. Why? Because the one born of God, Jesus himself, keeps you safe. How am I know that I'm going to be okay when I'm struggling with sin and, I'm, and, and temptation is overwhelming me? How am I going to know what I'm okay when I totally blow it? When is my salvation not secure? He goes, wait, 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 hold on. Who saved you? Did you save you? Did you get good enough to eventually be saved? No, Jesus saved you. And he, the one born of God, Jesus himself, 
will keep you safe. You guys, is that not good news? Jesus keeps you safe. Jesus is living in you. And who is he? He's your good shepherd. He says, I am your good shepherd. What's a shepherd do? They lead sheep, they provide for the sheep, and they protect the sheep. Whose responsibility is it to make sure the sheep get where they're going? It's the shepherds. Jesus' responsibility, once you became a child of God, was to keep you safe. Now, do you think Jesus can do that? Anybody out there today? Do you think he can do this? Do you know he can do this? Are you confident? That's what he's trying to help you see. Listen, look at John 10, you guys. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Will you ever perish? No, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I am the father of one. You guys, no one can snatch you out of Jesus' hand. And you can know that you have victory. The evil one can't even do it. The evil one cannot take you away. He can't touch you. That's amazing. Now, can he lie to you? Like all day long? Since he can't touch you? Can he persecute you? Yes. Can he cause other people to hate you? Yes. And I'll say this with, uh, can he kill you? Yes. That's what happened in Nashville. And that's what happened to Jesus. There is evil and wicked in the world. And Christians for 2,000 years have suffered physical persecution and death. So what's he saying? He might be able to even stop your physical death, but he can't touch you. He can't have you. You are born of God and you are his now and forevermore, no matter what. And you can know that. And you need to know that. You have victory in Christ. All right, number four, we have absolute confidence that we're children of God. Absolute confidence. Verse 19, we know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. What's the benefit of knowing that you're a child of God? Do you know that today? Well, it means that nothing can change this fact. Guess what, Mariah? Mariah's my kid and nobody can change that fact. Nobody can do that, right? You, you, you can divorce your spouse. You can't divorce your kid. She's my DNA. She is mine no matter what. So when you become a child of God, part of the benefit is nothing can stop me from being God's kids. And here's the other thing. You can know that you are dearly loved. God loves you as his child. He's watching over you and he cares for you. And then he says this. We know the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I was thinking about that, like, well, why did you throw that in there? Why, why, why when you're telling, hey, I want you to know that you're a child of God. And by the way, the whole world's in control of the evil one. Well, I think it's because that means we can look at what's going on and it makes sense. I get it. 
I know why the world's so messed up. Because the world is totally separating themselves from God. God is the one who's humble and love and gracious and merciful. And when we don't want God and we're consumed with ourselves, this is the chaos that happens. And here's the other thing, the world, and it matters to us. It's why we're here. It's why we share the good news. It's why we work to bring compassion and justice and mercy and goodness everywhere we go. Because we see things differently. We're like fish swimming upstream. And so when the whole world gets chaotic, we know we're children of God. We have received a kingdom that can't be shaken, even when everything around us is shaken. And we don't lose our hope, and we don't lose our peace, and we don't lose our joy. Why? Because I'm a child of God's, which means, you know what? I'm not even living in my home right now. That's what the Bible says. You're just, a, you're just passing through. You're just a pilgrim. You're actually a citizen of heaven. And when you become a child of God, you now know this is all temporary. And God made me actually for what's coming. I'm made for the next world. Look at what John, Jesus says in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Come on, man. Be confident. Know this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. Oh, you guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. You're a child of God. Have confidence in the midst of this world that the evil one is actually in control of because it's all going to go away someday and you're going home. And then look at this, man, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we are always confident, always, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. You guys, you're a child of God. If you've received Christ, be confident. You're going to go home and it's going to be really good. And here's the last one. You can have absolute confidence that we know Jesus Christ. First John 5.20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Here's what he wants you to know as clearly as you know the person is sitting next to you. He wants you to know that you know him. Now, here's what's interesting. That word for know, that we know that we know him, the second know, is the experiential knowing. He wants you to know that God is with you and he's with you and he wants to share his life with you and he wants your life shared with him. In other words, you can experience him now. We are in him and he is in us now. And we possess eternal life now. And how do we experience him? How do we abide in him? We believe in him. We follow him and we love each other. So band, come on up as we, as we close in worship here. Because this is what we do. Oh, you guys, isn't this, can I, can, isn't this great? Isn't this great news? 
I'm telling you, like, if, if, if you are, can I just say, because John wrote this actually to goes, I'm writing you, dear children. In other words, those of you who believe in Jesus, do you know the eternal life that you have? Do you know he's listening to you and is answering you? He's a good dad. Do you know that you have victory over sin? Not because of what, who you are, but because Jesus is working in you and will keep you safe. Do you know you're his child and you're going to go home? And do you know that you know him right now? And then his, I love his last statement is, dear children, then keep yourselves from idols. That's his whole application. In other words, what's he saying there? Don't look to anything or depend on anyone else for your life. Don't devote yourself to anything else above your devotion to God. Don't you put your trust, you guys, in a person. A person can let you down in a second. Don't put your hope in a job. You can lose your job or your ability to do your job in a second. Don't put it in financial security. It can be gone or your health or your looks or your personality. And especially don't put your hope in what you want. Guys, put it in Jesus. This is what you can know. Man, I want to tell you, how, how do you grow in confidence? Just put that picture up. Can you put the picture up again of the flowering tree? You know when this thing happened? May of 2021. Do you remember where we were at as a church in May of 2021? We, yeah, we were, well, we were just coming out of the pandemic and we just found out that our lease got canceled <laughs> and that we were going to have to move and we didn't have a building to go to. And everything, everything about K2 was like falling apart. And I'm like, ah, and I'm in my rocking chair out in the backyard. And every morning I'd look up at that tree. And I, do I know that God loves me as much as I know that that tree's there? Do I know that he's good and can only do and is working for the good in all things, in everything? As, as clearly as I know that tree is there. Do I know that he's righteous? In other words, he can't make a wrong decision. And that every judgment he makes is trustworthy as clearly as I know that tree's there. You guys, I had to fight it every morning. And I stared at that tree to remind me, as clearly as I can see that, I can also know that God is good and he loves me and he's for me and he's my shepherd and you can know it too, okay? And then the last thing, the way you know this is then you take steps of faith there's no way to experience God. Not sit here and learn about him. Experience him. Except by taking a step of faith. And when you do, and then he shows up, now you know it, man. And you know what it does? It increases your confidence in everything else he says. So if you need to grow in your faith, fight the battle, like the war in your mind, like we've talked about. Get into the word and have it remind you over and over again who he is and take a step of faith and you'll experience God and then you'll know him. And he is our hope and he is our life and you can know it and you can know it. All right, let's stand together and let's worship.